Reed Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good morning, Birds fans. It's a Tuesday game here on Birds 365, and you got Mac and Mac. John McMullen and Jordan McDonald here to hang with you for the next two hours. Got two of our quasi-regular contributors, uh, Scott Grayson from Fox 29, and the Darth Vader of the Eagles beat. Uh, that would be Groats <laughs> from the Delco Times. We'll see if Bob's in a good mood. Everyone's probably in a good mood. He surprises comes on. And uh, has a smile on his face. We'll see if that's the case today. Uh, J-Mac, I saw a great note, stat number on uh, Ruben Frank's uh, Bird's observations today that lends itself to a question about how the Eagles coaching staff works, how it's worked under Nick Sirianni, and maybe a little bit about how it's going to work this year because there was a change to the Eagles staff. Uh, Ruben came up with some running back stats that I just did not know. Uh, coming into the season, we know who are the backs that the Eagles have as of right now, having added Rashad Penny as a free agent trading for DeAndre Swift, uh, each with a resume in the league, as does uh, uh, Kenny Gainwell, who some people thought was ready to step up and be the Eagles' number one back. And when I say number one back, uh, along the lines of what Miles Sanders got last year, which was 71% of the Eagles' running uh, carries not counting quarterback uh, keeps by uh, Jalen Hurts, but just anytime the running back ran the football, Miles Sanders had 71% of those carries. So they're going to have to come up with a replacement somehow. And we've all been wondering slash debating. And I think we'll do it right up until the first game of the season as to what the breakout's going to be. But this was an interesting group of stats that I did not realize that uh, Deandre Swift playing for the lions when he carried the ball, had 10 rushes or more in any game over the last three seasons, which turned out to be 17 Lion games where he had the ball, carried it more than 10 times. He rushed for five yards plus per carry. Pretty damn good. If you're at five yards per carry, that's pretty good. In games where he rushed it less than 10 times, 3.8 yards. So a drop-off. When he carries it less, less when he carries it more, the average is more. Rashad Penny 
in games that he carried the rock more than 10 times, averaged 6.4 yards per carry, which is outstanding. That's off the charts good when he carried it less than 10 times, 4.4 yards per carry, which is a pretty significant drop-off from 6.4 down to 4.4. And Kenny Gainwell in his Eagle two-year career carried it more than 10 times five times and averaged over five yards per carry when he carried it less than that he was at 3.7 yards per carry so all three of these guys significantly better when they get 10 carries or more in a game guess what you're not getting two guys getting 10 carries in any given game so you're going to need to pick out one and try and feed him the ball at least 10 times and that might be difficult to do or it might be tricky to do. How do you handle it if you're the Eagles? Uh, and I will get to the question of how they actually go about uh, discerning and deciding who that guy is. How, how would they best decide who should be the guy in a given week to be the guy who carries it more than anybody else? Um, my, my assumption is they'll come to a conclusion who the lead back will be. Um, in, in my assumption that if he's healthy, and that's a great assumption, <laughs> Rashad Penny's going to be that guy. But, I mean, kind of takes care of itself. Is he healthy? Is he not healthy? Um, and, and, and when you have a committee approach, you know, a couple things about that that, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to completely dismiss it, but I think it's kind of somewhat obvious in the fact that two things – one, if it were that simple, you'd just give the guy 10 carries a game. But injuries cut pile into it. You have two backs that are consistently been injured. Swift has missed not as bad as Penny, but he's missed, you know, four games a year consistently. He's played 13, 13, 13, which is kind of weird. Um, and people used to get on miles for missing a few games. He's been pretty consistent in missing uh, a, a handful of games each year. Um, and then when you're using a committee approach, well, who gets the ball? The guy with a hot hand. So if you're having uh, a, a good game, you, you feed that back more. And that kind of feeds into the numbers. Well, they're having a good game. That's why they're getting the football more. Whereas if they're struggling a little bit, you go with the other guy in the committee and maybe he's having the big game. So maybe it's, you know, Penny and Swift are going to be on the same team. So you get the feel early. All right. Who's going to be good. Who's, who's got the hot hand, like a basketball jump shooter. And, and you feed him the ball that particular game. So that part of it tends to take care of itself as well. Um, you know, Swift's an interesting case because he was, I think the 35th overall pick in the, in the draft. Um, so, you know, basically we talk about the diff well, what's the difference between 32 and 35 first round pick, second round pick, you know, so forever he's got that label of second round pick, but people don't know how close he was to being a first round pick. So my point from that perspective is Detroit was expecting him to be the guy in Detroit as the running back and he never sees that mantle. So. Well, I get why people are excited about him being here, coming back to Philadelphia. You know, and rightfully so. I think he's going to be good with this quarterback and this good offensive line. But 
I don't think it's slam dunk. I mean, there are some concerns, you know, why didn't he, why didn't he become the player who was supposed to be in Detroit? Is it just the injuries? Is it other parts of his game? And we sort of have to wait and see with that. With Penny, you kind of know he's good. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy? Because every time he's out there, he's good. Uh, can he stay healthy? His numbers have been very good, as a matter of fact. But you're right. It all comes down to health. And, oh, by the way, people, I think people kind of forget this. Rashad Penny was a first-round pick. You mentioned yeah. that DeAndre Swift was late, uh, was early second, which is very close to a late first. Rashad Penny was a late first-round pick. So the expectation should have been even higher on him, even though it's probably only a couple of picks in between as they were when they went in their respective years. Um, but injuries have handicapped uh, Rashad Penny. So uh, I, I agree with that. I like your line of thought that you feed it to that guy. If one guy's going well, well, then it's going to be him on a given day. Uh, so that lends itself to this question that I don't know the answer to, and you may because you are a quote-unquote ego reporter. You're down there all the time, have more access to the coaches and the like on and off the record. I remember when Doug Peterson was the coach here. Oftentimes it would pop up that Deuce Staley would roll the backs in and out, and he would choose what backs were on the field for what sets of downs during the game, uh, and who was out there, which I always thought of as a little strange. The Duke, and, and Deuce was a very good coach and a very well-respected coach, and, and Doug Peterson loved him. Um, but the guy who's calling the plays, for me, should be the one who's really dictating what players are on the field because he knows, has a feel. We keep singing the praises of Shane Steichen that he's got a, had a great feel for it the last year and change here in Philadelphia. Do you allow the, the, the coach who's putting in the player at a specific position to dictate what's, uh, who's going to be out there on the field, or would you rather have a hand in on exactly who's carrying the ball and why they are getting the ball on a given play? Did they do that? I don't know. It's never been commented on. Uh, hopefully you do know uh, as to who actually dictates who the guys are on the field. If the Eagles are going to be ro using rotating back, because that's surely the way that it looks going into this season. Yeah. At the, at the rotational positions, it is the positional coaches. And, um, you know, you just don't have time. Um, if you're the play caller, defensive play caller, offensive play caller you just don't have time to do that in between the shot clock so to speak i mean you know bang 40 seconds go you can't be mucked down and moored with all right this is the personnel now you say all right we're in 11 personnel we're in 12 and you call the play and then it's up to the position coach but that's what you do during the week they have a big impact on it and there's certain situations they're down hurry up Last year, Kenny Gainwell's the guy, maybe DeAndre, because DeAndre's a good receiver. Maybe that changes a little bit this year. But that's the kind of preparation you do during the week. All right, it's coming to halftime. We're in hurry up. Kenny Gainwell's on the field. Like, that's what the coach wants. He tells Jamal Singleton that during the week. Jamal Singleton makes sure it happens during the game. That's where the prep during the week comes into it. Defensive line as well, rotational position. You know, that's up to Tracy Rocker and, and, and Jeremy, 
Jeremiah Washburn. Now, you know, Jonathan Gannon, when he's here, he'll say 50 tight feet, you know, 40, we're in, we're in 40 fronts. And again, during the week, you have, all right, we're in, we're, we're in a four minute offense at the end of the game. You want your guys out there. Damn well, Reddick better be out there. Sweat better be out there. Um, Fletcher Cox better be out there. Uh, Brandon Graham better be out there. And that's sort of their feel during the game of, all right, we want those guys to have full gas tanks for the end of the game if you got to rush the passer. But, yeah, the, the, the play caller, there's just not enough time to get bogged down. And, you know, that's up, that's, that's up to the positional coach. So do you believe that the play caller calls plays specifically to fit, to match up with what the positional coach has sent out there onto the field? Uh, I get it, and you explained it well, that a lot of this is decided ahead of time during the week in preparation – if we're in this type of a situation, these are the guys we want on the field and the like. But every once in a while, it's not going to match up. What the play caller is thinking and what the assistant coach is thinking, the positional coach is thinking, put out there. Do you think that, that that's something that we saw a lot of last year? We'll see coming up this year that the guy who's calling the plays will actually go, I, I was leaning toward this play, but maybe I better do this play because this is the group that we've got out there on the field right now. That There's a lot of overlap there, and the coaches have to be on the same mental page. Do you think the play caller is actually changing his mind because of the guys that he's got out there on the field that's sent out by the positional coach? No, I, I don't think he can do that, especially, you know, the only place where it would come into effect would be you know, if AJ was off the field for some reason, or Devonte was off the field for some reason. Um, other than that, I mean, no, you got to roll. You got to roll. And you mentioned Miles touched it so much last year. They know the situation, right? I mean, Shane Steichen knows if they're in hurry up, so he knows he's going to be on the field. Um, it's going to be Kenny Gainwell. It's not going to be Miles Sanders. So even if you want, you know, you might be more apt to call a swing pass for Kenny Gainwell than Miles Sanders, but the Eagles don't use that much anyway um, because of the quarterback. Um, tight end, you know, that's more of a, you know, is Dallas Goddard available? Because if Dallas Goddard's available, he's going to be out there. Now he missed five games, and you had to go with Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra, and they shipped things out uh, uh, a little bit uh, because they didn't have that impact. But that that's, again, that's during the week stuff. Um, same thing. Is, is, is Hassan Reddick available? Luckily, we talked about the health of this team. Luckily, he's available, you know. Maybe if you don't have your fastball, so to speak, on third and 13, you got to do things a little bit differently. But I think that's sort of baked into the understanding that if Hassan's out there, Hassan's out there. And if he isn't, it's probably injury. You're well aware of it or, or you know, he's out for the game. It's not like it's going to take the, the, the play caller. Now it's going to be Sean Desai by surprise. Now, if for some reason – you know, Jeremiah Washburn would say, oh, no, sit this one out, Hassan Reddick. Yeah, he might get in some trouble, uh, but he's not going to do that. So kind of takes care of itself. Right, and you laid it out well for me. Thank you for that. 
there are some plays that are easy. Uh, it's third and 13. You know what type of uh, lineup you want out there because uh, the play you're going to run is obvious to both sides. Uh, you know what you're going to run. The defense knows you're going to run. You just have to out-execute them. Uh, when it's third and one, you, you got a pretty damn good idea which way they're going to go with uh, the best sneak quarterback in the National Football League. But there's a whole bunch of gray areas there, second and five, where you basically have the choice of whatever you want to call there and have faith that if you don't get anything, you can get it on third down and the like. That's where the relationship, the the mind meld has to go between the positional coach and the individuals calling the plays. Because you may see something if you're the play caller and you look up and you see who the defense is sending onto the field. You see their quick substitution right after your substitution. You go, wow, this would be a great play for a screen pass. Uh-oh, we don't have our screen pass team out there. We don't have our uh, flare pass. Kenny Gainwell standing on the sidelines. Then you're whispering on your bed, damn, uh, all right, maybe I got to call something else. I, I think that that may actually happen more than one would think. You think that it uh, is, hey. Uh, you, you, you would, your play is your play call and you adjust on the fly. I would not be surprised if the adjust on the fly is, uh, playing to the players that they have out there. And it's basically with the Eagles, it comes down to either 11 or who the running back is because the quarterback's the same. The two star wide receivers, the same, the star tight ends, the same, and your offensive line never changes. So what comes down to is what running back is out there. And do you have two tight ends or three wide receivers? That's the only real uh, variation for the Eagles as far as positional decisions go, right? Um, yeah, offensively, yeah. I mean, offensive line, as yeah, I'm, you mentioned. I'm thinking offense here. You're looking at both sides of the ball, yeah. and you should. Good on you. Shame on me for not. But I'm I'm basically looking at the offensive side of the ball when I'm yeah. uh, asking these questions. I mean, basically, offensively, the only rotational positions are, you know, running back and, 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 you know, if you're going to toggle between a third receiver and the second tight end, I mean, that's basically it, it, you know, the Eagles use a lot of, and this is one of the limitations of, you know, some of the statistics, like, you know, you'll hear me say the Eagles were the number one team in, in, in rushing when they were in 11 personnel, which is true. I mean, factually that's true, but, so many times when they're in 11 personnel, they're in empty sets, right? Where they don't even have somebody in the backfield. Um, and maybe they'll rotate, you know, they'll, they'll motion somebody in. Maybe they're going to throw from the empty set. Um, and it, the personnel grouping is 11, but they're not playing. You know, when you say 11, I think fans say, well, that means they have, you know, three receivers, one tight end, one running back but they're not playing like that on a particular play. Kenny Gainwell's playing wide receiver, for instance, does that a lot. You know, they're not going to target them, but they're trying to open up space for the other players. Um, so, you know, a lot of it is just labeling of the players on the field as opposed to what they're actually doing. Um but as far as the play calling, look, I think it's a bigger issue than other people make because I think it's a feel. And Brian Johnson, when I asked him that, said it basically said that there's a science to it, but there's also an art part to it, is what he said. Um, and that's where Shane uh, Shane Steichen was really good at it. He was great at the callbacks. He would set teams up. He would run something 
Like I said, he'd run something maybe from an empty set in the first half, and he'd do it again, and it would be the same play. And then you would have defenders going, oh, they're going to run this. Same look, but he ran a different play. Most notable example of that would be Zach Paschal's touchdown. I could say that because people remember it because he only had one touchdown, I believe. That was a perfect example of the callback. Look, they're saying, oh, Zach Paschal, we saw this play. He's going to block. Nope. Blocking, yep. Yeah. And he's wide open. Nobody's near him. And that's the kind of stuff that Shane did really well. The most notable example of it not working was against the Saints. And that had more to do with the quarterback, to be honest. It was Gardner Minshew. And you could see, if you watch that play back, the Marcus Lattimore touchdown. Very smart, very savvy player, Marcus Lattimore. He saw it. He saw what was coming. He was calling out what was coming. And Gardner was supposed to see that and move off it. He didn't. And all of a sudden, it's a pick six uh, going the other way. So sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But um, overall, I think Shane was really good at it. And uh, the, one of the reasons why I asked this question, and we're going to be joined by Scott Grayson from Fox 29 here in just a second, um, relationships. Not only is – we know the relationship between the new play caller uh, and the quarterback is a strong one because they've known each other forever, and uh, the, the, we don't question that they'll be on the same page uh, quite often during the year. Never, nobody's ever on the – Shane and Hurts in his greatest season as he had last year weren't on the same page every single play call, but we have uh, belief that uh, it won't be a problem between the offense quarter and the quarterback this year. But between the play caller and his, all his positional coaches, their relationship and their their meeting of the minds is also very important. And it's a roll of the dice going into the season because these coaches have never been in those roles before working with each other. We shall see. All right. Uh, working with John McMullen every day. Easy for me. Jordan McDonald here on Birds 365. And we try and sneak in a couple of good guests for you every single day. We hope we've achieved that today. Joining us next, Scott Grayson for Fox 29 here on Birds 365. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! 
Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go back. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. McDonald hanging with you now hanging with us is Scott Grayson from Fox 29 and the host of uh, Preps and Locks. Easy question for me to start with you, Grayson, today. Uh, for weeks, we led up to basically every single day before the Thursday schedule revealed, talking about how's it going to play, where they're going to put deals, blah, 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 blah. I'm guessing you have a different view of it. It's how many games we got on Fox? How many times <laughs> the Eagles going to be airing on our network? Forget oh, prime time. Screw prime time. We don't want any part of prime time. We want Sunday at well, Johnny Mac's favorite time. Sunday at one on Fox twenty nine. Uh, how much of a uh, little tenor was in the rooting interest of? Uh, yeah, we got to keep the homeboys home on our network. Well, it's interesting. It makes the time. I mean, they, you're certainly going to get your number of games on Fox as it is. But uh, I yeah, mean, but you got know. less this year. Uh, you. <laughs> That's yeah. just not fact. They well, got that's, too that's many primetime games. They're pulling games. There are years yeah. where you got those two out-of-division road games, the AFC competitor. Boom. That means that they've got the other 14 games on Fox. Not the case with as many primetime games as the Eagles are penned in for. Well, now you're adding in uh, Peacock and Amazon yeah. Prime. And, you know, it's it's getting smaller and smaller. And not only that, but then the ones that we do have on Fox, um, as I'm sure John's not happy about, many of them are four four twenty five. Yeah, or, man. Um, it, it's it's a different schedule, that's for sure. Uh, which means more time in the parking lot for the fans uh, to you know uh, wake up and and enjoy the morning and the the tailgating. So uh, look, I, in terms of the schedule, I thought you were going a different route. For me, oh, we can go there next, but I just wanted to get the. Uh, how is the Fox guy affected by the number of Fox games in first? Yeah, no, it's interesting because we're going to have our, you know, our, our morning uh, pregame show and then it's going to be hours until the game actually kicks. So we won't actually get, you know, yeah. uh, as John knows, you're always watching the inactives uh, an hour and a yeah. half before kickoff. Yeah. Well, for a one o'clock kick, that stuff's trickling in, you know, around 1130. It's, it's obviously going to be a lot later when we have those questions of who's playing today, who's not, who's out, who's not suiting up, you know. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. 
Yeah, it's always, you know, from a TV perspective, Scott, it's interesting for you guys because you want the team to be relevant because uh, that fuels popularity, viewers. But the more relevant you are, the more times you're in prime time and that, you know, everybody's got to have their piece of the pie, as you mentioned. Now we're getting the first ever streaming only playoff game on Peacock. Uh only cost them $110 million to get a, a streaming only game. So, hey, it's where we are. And I think relevancy is more important than anything else. And the Eagles are relevant. So we'll talk about that schedule. Your thoughts. Uh, I think I think it's pretty good. Obviously, it's tougher. Um, you know, your first place team, you get a first place schedule. But I like the way it's set up. Easy early, you get a chance to get over those hiccups with the new coaches and things like that. And then the the real murders row stretch is, is later in the season when hopefully you got all that stuff ironed out. Yeah, I think you hit it right. Uh, for me, I, I like the way it's set up. You get that Thursday night game out of the way week two, um, the short week. So you're still – it's not like you're – you're 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 banged and bruised for weeks and then have that short week you get it out of the way early um and every you know initially when it came out a lot of people were raising their hands you know what is this disrespect look at this murderer's row every year there's a bit of a murderer's row and frankly you knew who the opponents were coming into this they had a tough schedule coming in and the people who want to put a lot of stock in the oh the eagles have the toughest schedule how many times do we do this in the spring and then when it actually plays out and you see these teams on the field and coaching changes, and you know how it is. Sometimes there's a team that nobody thought was going to be great, turns out to be great, and there's times that a team on their schedule looks like, oh, this is a juggernaut, and it ends up being a patsy. So I think the jury's going to be out on the on the strength of schedule. But in that regard as well, you look at it and say, okay, well, the Eagles have the toughest. All right, if you want to buy into that whole thing, well, the Cowboys and Giants are right there behind them. Uh, so we, you want to go, oh, the division, uh, well – the division's got to play all the same teams, roughly. It's a little bit different home and away and an occasional different opponent down the line. But for me, I, I think the schedule's fine. I, I think, you know, and, and the stuff, Jody, you were talking about before the break, you have two new coordinators. So you have a little bit of easier games early on where you can start to get that feel of Jalen Hurts with Brian Johnson and Sean Desai with his players on the defensive side and these young rookies who can get up to speed a little bit more. I think overall – if you're an Eagles fan complaining about the schedule, you need to just like stop, just stop. Like it's it's fine, and you need to worry more about the team and not the schedule. Go out there and beat who's on the schedule that week. And hey, you know what? You want to look at something else with the TV? You were talking about it. That Niners game. How fun is that going to be? These guys can't get over the fact that the Eagles beat them in that NFC Championship game. Even the coach is like, "Yeah, I'm glad we're playing them later in the year because we'll have everybody then." Is that what you really think happened? I mean, you guys, the fact that the Eagles are living in their head right now to me is 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 funny. Yeah, I'm a Brock Purdy fan, so I say, yeah, it would have been a different game if Purdy had played. I think the Eagles would have won. Uh, the, the 49er guys have taken it way too far, basically saying they would have won the game, which is foolish. If you want to say it would have been a much more competitive game because it wasn't competitive. Okay, yeah, that's why I'll, I'll sidle up with you, but would have won the game. You don't know that. Uh, you might want to block Hassan Reddick next time. Just a thought. Uh, good point. Um, here's what I get. Uh, one of the takes I have out of the Eagles schedule. And 
Um, I readily admit it has changed for years. People made too much of a big deal out of, oh, they're going to play a first-place schedule, first-place schedule. Oh, my God, so hard because it's a first-place schedule. It affected two of 16 games. That's it. Otherwise, your schedule was exactly the same as the other three teams in your division. There were two games where you potentially drew a tougher opponent. I say potentially because you don't know one season from another. The season before they were the two first place teams that you're playing out of division within conference. But for the given year, they might not be as good as they were the previous season. Well, now it's up to three. And this year you are paying a price because you're getting the Kansas City Chiefs rather than the Chargers, the Raiders, or the Broncos. And I'd really rather have the Chargers, the Raiders, or the Broncos than playing the Chiefs. So that, to me, is the one aspect of the schedule that they knew they were drawing tough. It happens to be the AFC West this year. It happens to be they're going to Kansas City this uh, game. That's the biggest game on the schedule. I know it's an out-of-conference game, so as per tiebreakers, it doesn't have the uh, impetus and uh, gravitas that a divisional game would or even a conference game would. But the rematch of the Super Bowl, week 11, key juncture of the season, both teams coming off buys. And we know full well that Andy Reid's really good after a bye because we had him here doing it for us for so many years here in town. That's far and away the most important than the biggest game on the schedule, is it not? Uh, yeah, I mean, outside of your Cowboys games that we all love to get up for. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with Jody, but go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I agree in terms of the sense that uh, the Super Bowl rematch, you know, you're going to have the fans who are like, all right, let's go beat them now since we lost to them in the Super Bowl and all that. And Andy Reid and all the same storylines we revisited. Um, to me, I'd put it up there, right, you know, with the Cowboys games. But I think because of winning the division and, and that's your goal and what you want out of it. But to go to what you talked about with the first place schedule, and I don't know, the makeup of this team and the leaders on this team, like a Jalen Hurts and a, uh, you know, and a Nick Sirianni even, uh, I don't think Jalen wants the patty cakes. I think Jalen wants the big dogs. And I think this team overall likes measuring stick games and, saying let's see where we are against the best of the best. And they're going to get plenty of opportunities to do that. Now, where it hurts you, obviously, is if you don't win those games, home field uh, in the playoffs because it's a record league. You know, if you have an easier schedule, like people want to say the Eagles did last year, they cashed it in for home field throughout. Great. If you look at what the um, what, what, what the schedule could be this year and potential losses along the way with difficult opponents, well, your road to the Super Bowl is a little different. But you might be more battle-tested. You might have a better beat on what you need to fix throughout the season than rolling over people all the time. And what you see and what you feel on Jalen Hurts is I think this guy wants the tougher schedule, wants the ability every week to go out there. I mean, if you can't get up for a game in this schedule, there's a real problem because there's somebody every week waiting to take you down with a, with a target on your back with somebody just as good on the other side. I think they're the better teams. I think they top to bottom have a better shot if they can stay healthy of doing it. But, uh, you know, to go back to your original point, I think your Cowboys games are huge. I think Christmas Day against the Giants is going to have a little flair to it. Um, and I think, of course, the Chiefs, if you want to go biggest non-conference game to me, I'd go there with the Bills a close second. Yeah, I mean, I think from a field standpoint, I get what Jody is saying. I mean, you beat the best team in football, but from a, a, a practical standpoint, I mean, that game doesn't even matter, really, if you think about the larger picture. What's your goal? Your goal is getting back to the Super Bowl. Your first goal, if you think about 
the Eagles and and how they set up the two times they made it in in recent years. Number one seed, right? You got to get that number one seed. You got to force teams to come to Lincoln Financial Field where they dominated. Ironically, they they've had four playoff games, right? In 52, 57. The only one who didn't get blown off the field was Atlanta, uh, shockingly, in the divisional round back before Super Bowl 52. Minnesota blown out. Giants blown out. San Francisco blown out. That's what they got to get. They got to get the number one seed. And that Kansas City game, if you're going to be honest, isn't even going to matter. That To the tiebreakers, anything from that perspective, they got to beat the Cowboys. They got to beat the Giants. They got to beat the Commanders. They got to win their NFC games. The San Francisco game is far more important because, in theory, you know, the three best teams in the NFC are going to be Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers. And that 49ers game could be the difference between number one seed and going out to Santa Clara and where revenge, you know, might be real from the 49ers perspective at that point. So that's kind of how. I, kind of, I mean, beating the Chiefs would be a great from a feel, as I said, a feel standpoint. It would make everybody feel good. But the real world effects of that, not nearly as important as some of those conference games. Well, here's the reason why. And we all have our own projections as to what the Eagles are going to do before the season starts. I think they're going to finish with the backrising in the NFC again. And I don't think there will be a tie and we'll have to go to a tiebreaker. So when it's all said and done and the Eagles have, and yeah, maybe I should take my Eagle colored glasses off here, but <laughs> this is the way I think it's going to play out when we're all said and done and the playoffs begin and the Eagles have the number one seed. Will we look back and go, yeah, and they beat Kansas city too. Will we, will we put more of an emphasis on that than the 49ers or the Cowboys or whatever? We may very well. You're right. The tiebreakers conference division games, most important conference game, second, most important uh, against the other conference, third, most important. But I think the Eagles are going to finish with the best record clear without having to get the tiebreakers. So then what game am I going to look back at and go, man, they beat Kansas city on the road. They went in and took care of the chiefs in their house. Yeah, That's why I, I, I make that, their most important game. It starts from a position of maybe over optimism, but that's actually, that's where I sit right now as to how the season's going to go. Well, as we've pointed out in this conversation, I think you guys are going to have a great time in season because every week there is a storyline on this schedule that is going to drive the week for us. And uh, all of us are going to have plenty to talk about each and every week with what's at stake, who they're playing up against, what kind of a test is this, where are they going to be tested in this regard or that regard? Um, look, there's good tests on the schedule for this defense. I mean, that's when you look at it, like I want to see what this defense does. What does it look like under Desai? How do these new pieces interact? We well, got Mahomes, you got Josh Allen. Um, you know, you're going to have Dak Prescott twice. Uh, you're going to, you know, I, I think there's a lot to watch for and see. Hey, you might have Tua, uh, you know, and you're going to have Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so let's see what happens against some of these quarterbacks. It's certainly, they are definitely going to face better quarterbacks this year than they had to go through it all last year. Um, you mentioned Jalen Hurts a little bit uh, before, and I agree with you. I mean, his, his sentiment is, you know, give me the best. Um, I think I'm going to start a new daily Joel and Joel Embiid shot, uh, and I'm going to compare Joel Embiid to Jalen Hurts. Or can you compare those two? Because, you know, 
I, I think what you said about Jalen Hurts is correct. And, you know, if you think about him getting his master's degree at Oklahoma, you know, he doesn't need to do that. He doesn't need to go back and finish that. Um, you know, he it's it's kind of self-evident he's got this drive that's rare, even for professional athletes. Um, you know, Nick Sirianni compared him to Michael Jordan last year, got a lot of heat for it. And and I I don't think that the comp, the comp he was making Scott was the athleticism or his stature in the game. It was that drive. How 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 rare do you think that is with professional athletes? Oh, it's absolutely rare, and it is special, and uh, it's been fun to watch so far. And I think the exciting part is this guy's still so young. Um, you want to say he's inexperienced, but he's already been to a Super Bowl. Um, he's already been in the running for an MVP. Um, and and you look at it and go, wow. I mean, I, I've told my kids, it's like, there are few role models in sports anymore. He's one of them. And I think he's he's a guy that's, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm glad they locked him up, obviously, for a long term. Um, but it's the intangibles. It's the thing, you know, we agree. He, he would rather play a tougher schedule. Well, how many guys want to go out and like maybe a Joel, as you pointed out, want to win an MVP because you ran through patsies and you did big games, maybe not against big, big opponents at times. And to me, I, I just look at this guy and I see a guy who you're right, finishing the master's degree. You just had hundreds of millions of reasons to say, I don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> and, and he did, he finished it anyway, because it mattered to him. That kind of stuff matters to him finishing things, right? Not quitting, not giving up, finishing it. Um, and the level of detail, the attention to detail. Um, I, I, I think this guy, you know, when you want to point out something, what came to mind right away for me with the masters was obviously he had to keep studying, he had to keep working. Well, there's a guy out in Arizona whose contract had to include studying built yeah, in. Yeah. This yeah. guy is, is, this guy's crazy. I mean, Jalen Hurts is, is amazing. And I, I'm, I'm so excited he's here because it's the stuff, granted, what he does on the field is great. You want to see him succeed there, of course, more than anything else, because this is a results driven business and a results driven league. But the way he goes about it, how hard he works to be the best. You don't get the sense he's going to be one of those guys who's like, hey, I got the contract now. Uh, we, I can just kind of mail in the rest of this. I'm set for life, and so are my kids and perhaps my grandkids. No, he's going to want to be one of the highest paid guys next time around too. He's going to want to win that MVP every year if he can. But more important than that, he wants the Super Bowl ring. And I think that's what bothers him more than anything else is that ring is not on that finger after last season. And it's going to drive him and, as a result, trickle down and drive this team through this difficult schedule we talked about. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but but this guy's – he's a role model, and there aren't many of them in this, in this sport or in the sports world anymore. All right, I'll go down a Joel comparison road like John did, but into a different avenue, um, not the competitive nature, but leadership – that's well, one of the places where I think MB does come up a little short. He's not really a leader. He's a free spirit. And when he's out there, he plays hard, gives it, gives it his all. But he's not going to be the guy who's rallying the troops or getting on a teammate when he's making a mistake or not giving the proper effort. Jalen Hurts is a, as good a leader as you're going to find. They can use that this year with two new coaches that coordinated some turnover in the staff and the like. And you look to your coaching staff to do leading as well. 
can Jalen even ratchet that up more? Because we consider him a phenomenal leader to begin with. Is there another level to as much as his leadership can mean to this team this year? It's going to be interesting because a year ago, right, we were all asking the questions, can he be the franchise quarterback? Now he is the franchise quarterback. And he walks into the locker room right now already as that guy. He had to earn that leadership last year. So it's a little bit of a different season already in the sense that he's walking in the door before day one of the season as the leader of the team and the pronounced leader from key veterans. I mean, how many key veterans look at him and say he's our leader? Guy's much older than him. And to me, the leadership, you're right. Um, You know, it's one of the things that bugs me the most about the Super Bowl last year. You can call that holding on Bradbury, whatever. We were all robbed of seeing what Jalen Hurts would have done with that team in that moment down the final minute plus, right? And wouldn't it have been fun to watch and learn and see what would he have done? Would he have succeeded? Would he have failed? We don't know. And it's it's a shame because if you were to put Joel Embiid, and you're going back to your comparison, with 24 seconds left, you know they've got the final shot. Is he going to take it? Does he want the ball in that no, situation? No, he's going to turn it over, Scott. You don't, you don't, yeah, you just, you <laughs> yeah, know, so you, you really are getting on Joel's case. And, and <laughs> quick reminder, he was the MVP of the NBA. Uh, he, he was, is. he was, and you can't take over. that away he from is. him. But, but, you know, another, I saw other comparisons because it was almost a split screen moment with Bryce Harper running out of the dugout, wanting a piece of, of Jake Bird the other day. Um, there's heart, there's leadership, there's fire. Jalen Hurts. There's heart, there's leadership, there's fire. Joel Embiid, can you really say all three things about him? Yeah, I, I don't know that you can. And um, But with Jalen Hurts and everything that relates to the Eagles, you got a special guy there with full of intangibles that uh, you don't always see out on the field on Sunday because there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, you know, Monday through Friday and Saturday as well. It's He's a special player, and, and um, it's a shame. I think Joel's extremely talented, very versatile, can do a lot of things. If he would develop that fire, then maybe this franchise could get a little further in the second round. He's very gifted. That's what I'll say about uh, Joel Embiid. Um, but with Jalen, you know, there's that old adage with coaches, Scott, when it comes to leaders. And it really is. It's kind of a simple test. Uh, when you win – it's we, when you lose, it's me. And, you know, it's kind of, if you guys ever saw uh, a Bronx tale, I'm sure Jody has, uh, Scott, I don't know if you have. No, uh, there's a Never great the movie scene. Bronx tale? No, there's I a, need to really. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. You got to watch. Wow. It. I, um, I would have bet against that. All the list. By the next time we talk, I'll see it. There's Jazz a great commentary. You got to check it out. Yeah. There's a great and that scene. De Niro guy, he's okay yeah, too. He's yeah, he's as the star of the show. That the door test, um, when he's giving advice to the kid going out with the girl, and it's really simple, and it's you know basically lock both doors. This is back when you didn't have electric locks. Obviously, it's in the '60s, um, and yet you make sure the door is locked. And if the girl doesn't reach over to open up your side, she's basically no good. Dumper right there. Very yeah. simple. Um, same thing with leadership in sports. If you start pointing fingers, again, you win, it's we. You lose, it's me as the leader. If they don't do that, drop them. Get rid of them. Look for another leader. I, is it that simple? It's a good question. But uh, 
And I think, you know, I think it is a, a big, you know, because let's look at other guys, right, that have been successful. You can look at a Patrick Mahomes. You know, is he a guy who's going to point fingers? I don't think so. He'd point him at himself. Um, but like to your point, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great quality to have. And and I, I don't, you know, but you look at, you look at, you know, Joel and what was he saying after the game? Well, they can't win it all by themselves. And I know, you know, he was a little misinterpreted a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was a little out of context, but a little out of context. Right. But, um, that's a bit of an issue when you keep wanting more supportive players. Jason Tatum went and scored 51. I mean, you know, when in a big moment, big players step up and they don't need anybody else with them. They're going to go take the bull by the horns and take care of it themselves. That, you know, I know it's a five on five game, Joel, but you know, you've got to be able to control the narrative a little bit yourself. Scotty, last week uh, after the Eagles had the outstanding draft that they had, I think most people uh, rated it either an A or an A-plus draft, one of the best in the National Football League. Peter King came out with his first rankings of the 32 teams, power ratings of the teams, and he broke them down into seven categories. The first category, which had one team in it, was labeled, and I can find no weaknesses. And that was the Philadelphia Eagles. Talk about putting them on a pedestal and putting some pressure on them. Thanks very much, PK, for doing just that. Because he had them by themselves and he labeled the Philadelphia Eagles a team without a weakness. A little hyperbole from Peter King there? Uh, well, first of all, it's hard to get that kind of praise from Peter King. So that tells you something. For uh, me... Yeah, they're on a pedestal. They're hated by every other team in the league, they're, which is even further to the point. They're going to have a huge target on their back every Sunday, and they've got to learn to play with that. Um, but beyond that, I, I don't agree that they have no weakness. Um, I, I think they've got to still figure out punter. Um, they've got to figure out safety. To me, I'm not settled on that position yet. Uh, I'm not sold on linebacker entirely. Uh, they've got key good good key pieces everywhere. But if you're going to tell me that they're a perfect team, they're not a perfect team. There's no such thing as a perfect team. And one injury can totally derail everything for one team. But are they, at this point, when healthy, the most solid team? Probably. Probably. But they, it's not that they're without weaknesses. Because in this day and age of salary caps, every team is going to have weaknesses somewhere. It's the nature of having to pay guys. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, and navigate that salary cap. Now, is Howie doing some fuzzy, crazy math and making some things work and signing guys at the right times? You can start to see a little bit of a formula, you know, getting guys in the final year of deals and having control over play. He's certainly adapting his methods, and I think it's working. Are they perfect? Are they without uh, weaknesses? No, I think they have some places to shore up, and maybe they have the pieces on the team right now, and until we see the growth and the development – um, throughout training camp and then into early in the season, you don't know. But for me, there are a couple of places where I go, I'm not sure they're they're perfect there. They're, they're, there's definitely some areas for improvement. At, at S. Grayson Fox 29, Paulo Scott on Twitter does a tremendous job, host of props, props and locks on Fox 29. Um, I'm going to go the other route. Uh, Peter, uh, Jody mentioned Peter can't find a weakness. Jody himself says, don't have to beat the 49ers because you're going to lap them. Um, it's not going to uh, matter. No, 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 no. Did you hear me use the word lap? Well, no. you're going to be so far ahead. 
It's no, not I didn't matter. say that either. I just said they're they will all they right, will not whatever. come down to a tiebreaker. It will not come That's down. What I all said. right, all if right. Winning by one game my is lapping. And yeah, I guess I said lapping, but I don't my consider own, lapping a team beating them by one game in the My stand. only point was you have tremendous optimism for this team to set up this question. NFL on CBS Twitter accounts. Um, I'm not going to. Uh, bury our friend Jeff Kerr from CBS, but whoever did this put out projected NFL records. Kansas City, as an example, 14 and 3, Buffalo 12 and 5, the Philadelphia Eagles 10 and 7. Disrespect from NFL on CBS. Can't find a weakness. I, I overstated Jody's. He got upset. But nevertheless, here we have an organization saying, whoa, 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 whoa. They're coming back to the pack. Ten and seven. Is that – would that be a disaster? How would you rate this team at ten and seven? At ten and seven, I would say obviously something went wrong, right? Maybe your defense didn't live up to what you had, had uh, hoped it would be. Maybe your offense wasn't scoring as well as you'd like. There's definitely going to be a narrative that leads to that. Um, uh, maybe somebody got hurt, a key player that made you less less of a factor on one side or the other. I think they're deep in certain spots where it would take more than one injury. I even think, you know, I'm okay with Marcus <laughs> Mariota now over Gardner Minshew should Jalen go down for a few weeks. But – 10 and 7, I think, would be a disappointment. I think, you know, this team's running out, this fan base is running out of, of the disappointment of not winning the Super Bowl when they were favored, wanting to run it back, get right back there. And every expectation is they will uh, for this fan base that 10 and 7, I think, yes, would be a disappointment. Now, I, I, like I said, there's got to be a reason for that. So when you do this at the beginning of the season and everybody's healthy, what is your reason for 10 and 7? Because to me, I don't think that makes sense. I agree with you, John. That is disrespect. Um, but everything is through the eye of the beholder and that's what we see. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, everybody's right. And, and, and one, two people like Chris Sims, uh, are off in a corner. Uh, <laughs> sometimes those people end up being right. Maybe it will be a 10 and seven year. I don't see it. Uh, I know, even, you know, we, we run through the difficult schedule and all that. I, I don't see 10 and seven. I don't, I do. They win the NFC East. I don't know. I'm willing to go that far. It's going to be a dog fight with Dallas, I think. And, you know, we saw last year, you can't count out the Giants. I, you know, they're going to be a factor in some way, shape, or form. I, I, but I still think this team is the favorite to win the division. And I, I don't, 10 and 7 will not do that. All apologies to our friends over at CBS. And we've got a couple of them, Jeff Carr being one of them. I have others who come on my national show. If they're putting it out there as an entire CBS Sports NFL coverage package, yeah, shame on him. I got no problems looking right in the camera and going, shame on CBS for having them at only 10 wins. I'll give you an outlet that I would put more stock in. Again, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Bad mouth CBS. <laughs> um, and that would be Vegas and the wagering lines. Here's where I I would take more stock in what the, the, the they're talking about millions of dollars bet. CBS, if the Eagles win 14 games, what's going to happen? The guy who put the number out of 10 is going to get called in the office by his boss, by his editor, and go, how the hell did we come up with 10? Was that you? Uh, <laughs> not not going to be millions of dollars lost. The over-unders on the NFL, there are two teams in the league. 
uh, that have a higher over-under number than the Eagles, and that's the 49ers, which, yes, I disagree with that. I think the Eagles' number should be higher. And it's kind of weird because you got the juice involved with it, Mr. Props and Locks. Yep. The Eagles are at 10-and-a-half, but they're minus 150 at over 10-and-a-half. The 49ers are at 11-and-a-half, but they're plus 115 to go over. So the juice kind of balances it out, even though the Eagles are a game behind the 49ers. And the other team at 11-and-a-half are the Bengals. The, the, the odds makers have them. And again, their, their plus-minus is plus at over 11-and-a-half as compared to the Eagles' major minus at over 10-and-a-half. Um, I don't think CBS can disrespect the Eagles. By the way, it is Will Brinson. So send your hate okay. Mail he's to the Will he, it was one individual. Yeah. wasn't one It wasn't a collective. No, ten no, and five. It was never one a individual. Collective. All right, it's never a collective. You bring up a great point about Vegas in the sense that uh, they always seem to be right near that half. Right, that half win. That <clears throat> that, that half a point that either or half of a, a game that. Either wins or uh, wins or loses a bet, and and you're right about the minus money next to the Eagles number. They're hedging their bets. They're saving themselves a little bit. Should they be wrong, right? right. And they want to entice you to maybe take that over. Um, I think a lot of that is related to looking at difficulty of schedule right now, um, and, and you look at again the, the Niners have an easier schedule than the Eagles, depending on what you want to classify that as. And again, I'm I'm one of those people who's not throwing a ton of stock in that now. Let me see how things play out by week three or four, um, and you get a better feel for teams. But, yeah, it's it's interesting in the sense that uh, they aren't predicted to get more than that. And you bring up a great counter-argument to the whole point of CBS saying 10 and 7. Well, Vegas is saying 10 and 7 or 11 and 6, depending on how you want to go on the other side of that half a win. Um you know, and, and I think ultimately it may end up being 11-12 wins. Uh, again, strength of schedule, some, some where you're playing these teams. You have to go to Kansas City. Um, you know, you do get San Francisco here. Uh, but you've got some tough games in there that, you know, look, I it's annoying to have to go to New England uh, on Tom Brady Day, right? Yeah, I, I'm saying yeah. the Eagles should bring Nick Foles as an honorary captain just to see if they handshake. Hey, but, he's available, Scott. I know he is. <laughs> One day contract, yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it, there's there's things built in there, and I, I to me, I, I think they're going to go over ten and a half. I, I would definitely take that. Um, it's a little bit of a low number for Vegas, but there's reasons why they're there, and and I'd love to, you know, maybe they got the script ahead of time. I don't know, but yeah. uh, Will's you know, plugged in, man. Will's yeah. one of their big wigs, so maybe he's got the script. Maybe, <laughs> <right>. yeah. <laughs> and oh, by the way, if just think about it for a second. If you wanted to play the under at 10 and a half, will the Eagles actually be four games worse than they were last year? There's a lot of different ways you can break that down. They're 14 and three. So you're saying the Eagles will be four games worse this year because Javon Hargrave won't be here? Because Jonathan Gannon won't be here? What, what is, where have the Eagles gone backwards that they right. can have a four game worse season? Than they did last year. I can't. I can't come down on that side of things. No, I. I can't either. I, I, again, you're looking at if you bet that you're betting on some key injury somewhere. I would yeah, think that's you know regression to the mean. You know, he gave a little quip <clears throat> for each um, team and his projection. We 
remember these are what they are in, in May 15th, wherever, May 16th, wherever we are. Basically, all he said is the Eagles went from the league's easiest schedule coming into 2022 straight to the league's most difficult schedule. So take it for what it is. Right. But quick question. The Eagles schedule wasn't the easiest when the season started. He's comparing results to projections, right? I have no idea. Uh, the way no, I'm asking you to read it the way I read it or read it the way that you think it should be read. Well, what I he said I, was going from the easiest schedule to the hardest schedule. It was the easiest schedule when the season was over and done with. It wasn't the easiest schedule going into the season last year. And when you go 14 and three and you drop 14 losses on your opponents, guess what? Their ending record is going to stink, which is going to make it the easiest schedule. You, by your own performance, can help to get yourself at the end of the season lined up against the easiest schedule. So I, I don't buy what he's selling with that uh, line of justification for and only you, 10 wins. You can make any argument crafted the way that you see yeah. fit to whatever you want to do, right? Because if the Eagles go 14-3 and three this year, is everybody going to go, oh, my God, that's amazing because that was the toughest schedule? Are they going to come up with reasons why the Eagles went 14-3 and three and so-and-so wasn't there this week? And it wasn't the toughest schedule as everybody thought. It, it, you can craft an argument any way you want. And it sounds yeah, like I, I, I thought that was hooey last year. I said the Eagles, you know, I, I coined that phrase pretty early. The Eagles made uh, uh, somebody's into nobodies. Like everybody was like, well, Minnesota week two, that's a pretty good team. And blah, 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 blah. They destroyed them. And then all of a sudden, well, Minnesota stinks. Uh, yeah. Well, they stink because the Eagles made them stink. Yeah. Same right. thing this and, year with. And oh, by the way, Minnesota didn't, didn't stink. What'd they go? 13 and four? 13 and four. Yeah. yeah. But they stink because the Eagles beat them. Right. Uh, you had all those people saying that. Um, same thing this year, though. I'm on the same. I'm like, I don't care. Strength of schedule. I don't care about last season's records. If they're good. And I always bring up Peyton Manning. Played a first place schedule every year for 10 consecutive years. 12 wins, 13 wins, 14 wins, 12 wins, 13 wins, 14 wins. His bad year was 10 wins. If you're good, you're good. You're going to beat who's in front of you. Simple as that. It's a good point, and it's true. And I think that's what this team's looking to do. Just they're not worried about. You get the sense that this team really isn't looking at the schedule as a whole. Um, Nick Sirianni gives you that impression. Jalen Hurts certainly gives you that impression. Right now, I get the sense their focus is going to be squarely on New England. Period. All right. Before we let you go, Scotty G, give us a lock: NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Uh, we're a football show. We lean heavily on football, but every once in a while, we take a peek over the fence. You got a matchup. You should have had Scott on before game course. seven. I have a <laughs> feeling I would have known his lock and he would have been right. This, yeah. Uh, to me, I, I I think the Celtics are a lock to get to the finals. I I, I don't think Miami stands much of a chance. Jimmy Buckets, watch. baby. Yeah, I, know. I almost yeah. hope I almost hope Jimmy gets there just so to me it looks look, even worse. To me, the biggest mistake the Sixers made was letting him go. Um yeah. And and you look at what he's doing. He can take over a game like Tatum did in game seven. Boston, to me, just has the ability to sink you with all those threes when they start hitting them. And when Al Horford can hit them as well and, and is hitting them, um, they're a tough team to beat. So I look at – I to me, I, I think Boston is is too much for – for uh, for Miami. And I would go a step further and think that – I actually think Boston's got a shot to win the title. 
We will check those odds out. You should check him out on Props and Locks. Catch him every Sunday when the Eagles are playing. Unfortunately for him, not enough on Fox this year, not often enough. Uh, but somehow he'll get the job done and he'll be on with us as we uh, get that much closer to the season as well. Scotty G, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us, big guy. All right. Enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Scott Thanks, Grayson, Scott. Fox 29, uh, and the host of Props and Locks on Fox 29 as well. Their sports director and a guy who is often jumping out with us here on Birds 365 and always good when he does. Uh, Jody Mac, Johnny Mac coming back. I do want to ask you about an ex-Eagle quarterback. Uh, some rumblings and whispers about him over the last couple of days, which I'm not sure I quite agree with. Uh, we'll talk a little Carson Wentz when we come back here on Birds 365. run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island so leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online.
J-Mac show with you with J-Mac on Birds 365. Appreciate you streaming in with us. Uh, we've got Bob Groats from the Delco Times. Eagle Beat guy going to join us uh, coming up in less than 15 minutes now. Um, Johnny Mac, I did want to ask you about the report that was out there over the weekend from Jeremy Fowler, who's a pretty good inside information guy around the NFL, um, on Carson Wentz that Wentz is in L.A. working out and that there have been some teams to show interest in Carson Wentz. Now, there's a lot of different ways you can read into that. Has received interest. How do we determine that? The teams returned his agent's call. Does that mean that they've, uh, they're interested in Carson Wentz because they did the due diligence thing and said, yeah, we'll call back his agent when he's putting calls into general managers around the league and saying, hey, my guy's out of work. Uh, he can't get a job with anybody in the National Football League. I, Sorry, Carson, I just don't buy this report. Uh, here's how I'll uh, ask you, uh, Johnny Mac. Carson Wentz will sign with an NFL team when during this offseason? Give me a date that Carson Wentz will uh, sign a contract with an NFL team. Um, I'm going to go August 15th when somebody gets injured somewhere and the panic begins. I'm going to go August 15th. You know, I, I, I want to give you mentioned Jeremy. Um, Carson was on Sports Center, so it was sort of his own. I, you know, because I saw it too, and I was like, oh, well, this is part of the information broker, you know, fabrication. Yeah, yeah, exactly but, right. Um, but Jeremy didn't do that, so I want to make it clear he's not the one who put out because I was, I was thinking that I was like, well, this is what you have to do, you got to give agents a favor, um, so you get information more important information down the road but now this was actually him on sports center carson himself i didn't see the sports center aspect of it but so he's trying to get it out there yeah I, the most important part to me working out in la that means that is a dead giveaway for tom house and company um that's what he did before the super bowl season when he was good got away from it, mechanics fell apart. That, to me, is a positive sign. It's what Jalen Hurts did. Same guys. Uh, Tom and Adam, uh, same guys. Um, that, to me, is a positive sign. It's never proven he could stick with it consistently. I wouldn't sign him, but, you know, if somebody gets hurt somewhere and somebody panics, I think that's that's his wheelhouse at this stage. Jay Mack, you and I are on the exact same page. Uh, again, the way the reporting went made it sound like be on the lookout. Could happen this week. They've gotten close to negotiate. And I don't believe that for a millisecond. Not only do all 32 teams, and part of the reporting was he's open to whatever role he's going to play. Yeah, as if there's any team out there that's going to bring him in as the starting quarterback. He better be willing to fill any quarterback role a team needs. I think all the teams have their backup quarterback as well. I don't think there's a job to be had. There's going to have to be a job creation. And as you correctly point out, the easiest way for that to happen is an injury. 
And oh, by the way, yeah, in camp, the Eagles aren't the only ones who go light in camp these days. They might go lighter than anyone else, but uh, there is no two-a-days. There is no hard-hitting in practice. you got that quarterback shirt on. You're not going to get touched. So the only way a guy's going to get injured is either unbelievably bad luck, slipping in the shower, or a preseason game. And everything is pushed back. So I like your date of August 15th. That's about it. When a quarterback could take a bad step in the two series that he's going to play in a preseason game and he goes down. Oh, shoot. Now we don't have the depth. We need a quarterback. Is Carson Wentz still available? Yeah, that's when that call is made. That's when that potential signing happens. And not before it. We're at May 15th, which means we got to get to June 15th and July 15th before we ever get to August 15th. So it's three months down the road. So the way the reporting made it sound like it was much more imminent, I'm with you. He's not going anywhere for another three months. And I, you're kind of kicking a guy when he's down because he's had three straight bad seasons on three different teams. Uh, here's how we put a positive spin on it since uh, I'm still trying to uh, get Harry Roseman to upgrade and admit that he is under-evaluating uh, the linebacker position during this offseason. Howie, again, tip of the hat. The trade that he made for Carson Wentz in 2020 hindsight to get a first-round pick and a third-round pick for Carson Wentz after the season he had, and yes, we continue to evaluate it thereafter, the season that he had in Indy, the season that he had in Washington, the fact that he's not on a roster in mid-May tells you that was one of the best trades that Howie Roseman's ever made. Uh, what's the word he doesn't like, John? Uh, fleecing. Um... Talk about fleecing. He fleeced the Colts and then some on the Carson Wentz. Trade. Yeah, but let's settle down with that, Jody, from the perspective that the Eagles created the problem. So, I mean, they had to get out. Now, you know, that's to me what makes Howie a great general manager. Um you know, you have to make the best of your situation. You got to move on quickly. You you, you can't have a, a memory sort of like playing quarter uh, uh, cornerback. Um, you, you made a mistake. You move on. You try to make the most out of it. That's what he does really well. Other GMs hang on to mistakes, or sometimes they can't admit mistakes because if they do, they'll get fired. Right. Um you know, so part of it is he has the ability to do it, but part of it is that he he recovered and 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 did a tremendous job. But you know, it's not in a vacuum. They also created the issue as well with the misevaluation. You can even argue as far as not understanding the psyche of the player, because remember at the at the crux of this, the Eagles thought this was their franchise quarterback. And they handled that situation poorly, but they recovered magnificently. I right. think that's 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 a a larger perspective of it. It it outweighs. You're right. It doesn't just make it go away that they decided to make him the highest paid Philadelphia Eagle ever, and then he spit the bed. Uh, yeah, that did happen, and that is on the resume of the organization as well. It will never be erased but you can certainly lessen the impact of it by doing what you did thereafter. The biggest of which was getting anything in exchange for Carson, a one and a three. And then, oh, by the way, as well, having Jalen Hurts here. 
I know that uh, you and I disagree on this a little bit. You think that uh, the fact that they drafted him as a backup quarterback and used his second-round pick to do so, and do you really do that for a backup? Yeah, but it was, for me, always a comma and potential starting quarterback. The initial reason that they took him was to be an inexpensive backup. But if they didn't believe that there was a chance someday he could become their starting quarterback, I don't think they would have used a second-round pick on him. So I give him a ton of credit for that as well. And that factors into the uh, being able to move on from Carson Wentz because they rightfully had faith that Jalen Hurts was going to be their guy. You can say it was a shot in the dark as much as anything else, but the shot has been taken, and it was a dead center bullseye. Hey, they'll, they'll take the credit. They'll take the credit, but I talked to them enough to know that wasn't the plan. That wasn't but – they'll take the credit if you want to give it to them. Um, you know, I already got labeled as negative this morning for pointing out Will Brinson – uh, predicts the Eagles go ten and seven. I don't know why that makes me negative. Huh. So I'll go. I'll go full negative and say, look, that wasn't their plan. Now in hindsight, it looks brilliant, but it wasn't their plan. So I'm not going to give them credit for something they didn't plan for. Their plan was, hey, let's get a cost-effective backup because we got to pay our great starter so much money. That was the plan, and they'll take. But hey. It, it, they'll take the credit. I'll I'll guarantee you that. And Jerry. and I'm willing to give it to them because nobody ever says, you know, the Patriots' plan wasn't really to have Tom Brady be their starting quarterback. He's a sixth round pick. But well, nobody thinks that way anymore. At some point, the history has to be rewritten with the results of today. And Jalen Hurts almost won the MVP last year. So, yeah, I'm going to give him credit, even if it was just a well, that, that to me, they're two different he could subjects, become our Cody. starting quarterback someday. Because those who say that are, are, are telling the truth. Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback, and Drew, Drew Bledsoe was the plan to be the quarterback. So anybody who says that, and you're right, nobody says that anymore. But anybody who does say that and points out, hey, you know, this is true, they're telling the truth. That's history. The people afterwards are rewriting history because of the success of Tom Brady. Doesn't change the fact that the original history, unfortunately, what is that that that, that old adage? History is written by the victors. And the victors tend to lie and they tend to spin things the way they want it spun. Like I said, the Eagles will take the credit. But that wasn't the plan. But they will take the credit, and they are the victors because they find they found the superstar quarterback. But the history, the facts of the situation, that never changes. As much as people want to change it, that never changes. No, I don't know that I would call any of them facts. It was opinion the day he was drafted as to it wasn't a fact that he was guaranteed to be a backup quarterback for his entire Well, again, career. yeah, you don't have to believe reporters, but it's a fact. I mean, I can't force you to believe us. It, it, it's a fact. They admitted it. Um, it wasn't speculation from us. That was the plan. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I get it. You know, the political landscape of this country, people don't re like reporters. People don't believe reporters. And I get it. But we're not lying to you. We're not. Well, here's here's how I would ask you, John, as a reporter. Did 
off the record, anyone from the Eagle organization ever say, yeah, and we don't really expect Jalen Hurts to ever be a starter? Um, I can't say what people say off the record. It was made very clear to us um, that why he was drafted. It was made very clear to us why he was drafted. Um, and he was drafted, and everybody knows he was drafted to be a cost of, and there's nothing wrong with that. It, it made sense in a vacuum. The part that didn't make sense was Carson Wentz's reaction to it. And I don't even know if you can blame the Eagles for that. Should they have known? Maybe they should have known the personality, but that you can't control people's feelings and you can't always understand how people are going to handle a certain situation. All I'm trying to say is it is revisionist history to think this team took Jalen Hurts to be a starting quarterback. They just didn't. And, and right. you can go, you don't even, you can go back to last. Uh, uh, what were we? May 16th. You can go back to May 16th last year. And they weren't sold on 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 Jalen Hurts as a starting quarterback. Agreed. So. They made legitimate plays for Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. You are correct, but they didn't get that done, so they went to Jalen again. And the results speak for themselves. And I know Harry Roseman too well to believe that he ever said, "And Jalen Hurts will never be more than a backup quarterback." If that was the main reason for getting him, yes. But how he's smart enough and how he's good enough at the game to at least cover his back by backside by saying, and if someday he becomes the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, we'll take that for da damn sure. Um, they're, they're well, he never said that. I can tell you never said that on, on the record. I can tell you he, he, he was hopeful of, you know, four years down the line of spinning off Jalen Hurts and getting significant draft capital so he could be a starter somewhere else. I can tell you that. But, um, yeah, that wasn't the plan here. Oh, uh, and sometimes the plans change midstream. Uh, we will change it up with you next. Joining us here on Birds 365 is our favorite pal coming to you live from the car. He's always going somewhere, that Groats guy. Bob Groats from the Delaware County Times is going to join us here on Birds 365. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. And once again, from his car, Bob Groats. I got a story. Yeah, what man. You, what are you driving? That that looks like a pretty snazzy little car. It looks like it's got several rows in it. Are you driving a minibus today? No, it's an SUV. I'm coming back from Oklahoma. I was at uh, Jalen Hurts graduation. There we go. And I, and I didn't get an invite with the levels that I'm going to, going to defending the uh, Eagles' second round pick on Jalen Hurts Day. He didn't give me an invite. You wouldn't like it. By the way, though, I I don't totally agree with both of your assessment of uh, of Hurts. I mean, the reason that they drafted him was once got hurt. Yeah, three years in a row. I should have mentioned the injury. Oh, hurt. Yeah, I mean, never finished the season. Him. Did they think he'd be the fr- uh, face of the franchise? I'm sure they had questions, but who wouldn't? after they thought once would be the guy and look at what he did. I mean, unbelievable, you know, but um, yeah, but uh, well, now don't fall down that rabbit hole, Bob, because they want you to fall down that rabbit hole. They want you to forget that they were making, you know, calls and uncovering and trying to get Russell Wilson to play here and trying to get oh, the no doubt about it. Yeah. They no want people to forget it. that. I, I think that was because of Wentz too. You know, they wanted they wanted no, to win that. that. They, Wentz was gone by that point. No, but they. Yeah. But I mean, they were stung by by what happened with. Oh, Wentz. of course, and, yeah. And they their were, evaluations they were tremendously stung. And that's the same reason why they kept drafting wide receivers. <laughs> it's like, and then finally they traded for for uh, AJ Brown instead of drafting. Yeah, keep, I give him credit for that part. I I <clears throat> excuse me. If I you can't draft them. Credit, John, as a matter of fact, you don't because you keep referring to the fact that they tried to get Allen Robinson. They tried to get so many other wide receivers that they kind of got lucky at the wide receiver spot. No, where I give him credit, Jody, you didn't let me finish. I said I give him credit for never stopping. Look, sometimes they they, you know, they wanted Calvin Ridley. Not my fault. They tried to trade for the guy, but he had his app out and he was making bets, probably (laughs) on the Eagles. Not my fault. (laughs) 
They tried to sign Christian Kirk. Not my fault Jacksonville paid the Jags tax because Tony Khan's team stinks and they gave him all that money. They tried to sign Allen Robinson. Not my fault Allen Robinson wanted to play with the Super Bowl champions. How'd that work what are out? The odds, what are the odds Calvin Ridley ends up with the Eagles? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> Hey, I'm, I withdraw the question. Yeah. What are the odds? Very good. They did. They got it right, though. They they did get it right. Oh I mean, yeah. They got, well, did they get it right, the or did they did they get blocked until they got it right? Because if if Calvin Ridley doesn't pick up the phone, he's in Philadelphia. They're never looking for AJ Brown. That's sort of the butterfly effect of of those situations. And now they're trying to do the the same thing with the defensive line. So we'll see how how that works out too. Hopefully, they're as, as successful there as they were with the receivers. What do you mean by the defensive line? Oh, they're bringing in they're, – they're drafting guys. Like, I mean, they're taking their shot. They got the tackle. They got a tackle who – Oh, you know, okay. I, Two first-round draft picks on the defensive line. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% I didn't, I didn't pick up on what you were trying to uh, say. Yeah, I'm not 100% comfortable with him yet. Um, I know John likes him and his ability. Love him. He's Love got some him. highlights that uh, are just incredible. And, um, you know. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> is, is, is that got, a John, got, John Darn behind you? Is, yeah. uh, is that what you're trying to tell us? The I think lights are flashing. Were you going what, too fast, Groats? Somebody blowing head leaves. Head. Yeah, I some think. Head yeah. thinks that he should do his job during this podcast. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. I, How I'm, dare I'm, he? I'll take care of him after we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. How dare he? Uh, Jalen Carter, though. Yeah, I'm. I I think he is. I think he's the best player in the draft. And how often does an NFC Championship level team get the best player in the draft? It it never happens because you're good. Um. Now, it's going to happen for a reason. The only reason Jalen Carter was available was because of the -the off-the-field issues. So it could go horribly wrong. But, boy, if this kid hits, Bob, the NFL is screwed. They are screwed. It depends on how long his career is. I mean, is he going to have a longer career than, than say, um, Paris Johnson, a guy that they – the other guy that they wanted? Is he going to have a longer career than him? I don't know, man. We'll find out. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be interesting. No question about it. I mean, already Jalen Carter is going to he's going to find out how difficult it is to to play with uh, with those doubts surrounding him. You know, the civil suit came out. Uh, I, you know, I, I, it's a lot to ask of this guy. You, you give him forty million dollars, and all of a sudden you wanted to be a, a man and and not get in trouble. <laughs> he's he seems like a kid to me. He just seems. He seems like a kid. He, Maturity, he, yeah. <clears throat> Maturity could be a problem. Could be a yeah, problem. Yeah, like who, who probably does a lot of the same stuff we did, but we're not. Uh, we're not. We're, we're not the ones being counted on to to do what he is being counted on to do. And uh, and we're not. We're not getting paid like that. At least I'm not. Right. I don't. Uh, right. I was going to say if, if somebody would offer me tens of millions of dollars when I was twenty, I would have. Uh, been able to straighten up and fly right real fast too. I could I have know. my idiotic. I might be dead. Me. I might go the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah. I might. No, I, I think I could have uh, said thank you very much and uh, walked the straight line. I uh, a fun article you wrote uh, five or six days ago about 
Sean Desai, because you get you guys got your first chance to meet and greet yeah. Sean Desai and get to ask him questions and the like. Just generally speaking, impressed. Uh, said what I thought he was going to say. Yeah, I'm not sure the Eagles got this one right. What was after your first media sec- session with De- Sean Desai? Well, what was your in advance speculative read on how he's going to do as Eagles defensive coordinator? <laughs> Guy, the guy is really interesting. I'll, I'll start off by saying that he seems, uh, you know, he's interesting. Um, he's transparent, and um, and he really, the biggest thing right now, he, he kind of he understands the the culture of, of the Eagles fans. He has a pretty good knowledge of that, and um, I, I I don't know how you do it exactly in your game plan, but I think it's going to reflect that. Um, you know the with with uh matt patricia looking over your shoulder i mean what that that's not going to be easy right <laughs> i mean i i mean i you know and and it, it's not fair to ask him that i mean we're like what months away from even a, a preseason game so you know what his defense is gonna look like i didn't have a good idea of that afterwards but uh but he he wants to get after it he wants he wants his guys to be physical who who doesn't so uh but uh I, I, the main thing I got out of that was his understanding of the Eagles fan and the culture with this team. And, uh, and I, I think that that will help him out. Um, I don't know if Jonathan Gannon totally understood that when he came here and, uh, or, or really wanted to acknowledge it with all due respect. Yeah. I mean, he just, uh, he was coming from a different angle. And, uh, so that's going to be fun to watch. And, um, and also the (laughs) offense coordinator, I mean, you didn't ask me about him, but, you know, I, I like this guy. I, I think um, I'm looking forward to the offense maybe taking the next step. And it, it sure sounded to me like reading between the lines, like he had a lot of input in that game plan. And uh, and also, you know, those off-schedule plays, John, with uh, with uh, Jalen, I, I think those two guys are um, – I look at the – I listen to him. I listen to – offensive coordinator and i listen to jalen and i and i watch jalen i'm i mean they're gonna have like their own off off schedule playbook i swear to god so i think that's gonna take another step up and and he's already that quarterback's already lethal with the way that he can spread the defenses so i think the offense that that's great news for the offense i would like to see uh another uh, someone solidify that guard spot i would like to see that you know before the before uh, we get too far down the line, but uh, I'm, I'm not so sure about the new guy taking a tackle and, and uh, a career tackle and moving him to, to right guard. I, I don't know about that, but uh, but otherwise, I, I think um, it's going to be a really interesting year with uh, with uh, the offensive coordinator and uh, and and the defensive coordinator. Are you suggesting you think that if Howie's got a free agent move? And it's going to be less expensive because of the juncture of the season that we're at. You think it's happen. a veteran guard move? Oh, I think <laughs> they're sinking or swimming with either their rookie or their second-year player. Uh, I I don't think they're going out and getting a veteran guard. Do you? Well, they they could end up doing that. Their second year. I mean, if you if it's Jacks, if it's um, Driscoll, he gets hurt all the time. He, I mean, he's. No, a good... I'm not talking Driscoll. I'm talking either. Beef jerky or Steen, who no. they just took in the draft he's this too, year. He's too small to play guard. I mean, he really is. You know, you gotta. I mean, you can't have him play next to Jason Kelsey at the least. You know, so he, he's not big enough. No, I mean they got. Nick said they had other options, and I and they do. 
And um, and you I think, think it's want, Driscoll, huh? They want bigger guys there. Well, they want bigger guys. Maybe this. Maybe the rookie will will uh, show up. He's definitely he's definitely big enough. That's yeah. yeah that's their thought process. Um, yeah. You know whether he can do it or not, especially right away, remains to be seen. But he's got the short arms, Bob. You yeah. know how it goes. So he can't play yeah. tackle in the NFL because he doesn't have thirty-three inch arms. So uh, they're thirty-two and a half. So he's got to move inside. Yeah, that's kind of the strange thing there, but uh, yeah, but yeah. The guy, I mean, it is. It's a strange thing. It is. Like, it's yeah. it's bizarre. It is bizarre, yeah. but that's yeah. what it is. Well, you remember the center though, right? AJ. AJ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little uh, pterodactyl, whatever they he are. He had like hands are. coming out of his shoulder sockets, yeah. and he played like fifteen years in the league. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible, <laughs> you know. Mostly at Arizona, but uh, real strong guy. Hey, by the way, you brought up Matt Patricia, so I double-checked. He's finally on the website. He is on the oh. website. They put him on the website. Yeah, he's finally on the website. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for bringing up Matt Patricia. I Senior defensive assistant. Yeah, I didn't uh, see him at practice. John. I didn't see him at yeah. practice, but I asked I asked uh, after practice uh, if – if he was a part of the staff and they did confirm he was a part of the staff. And I said, well, how come he's not on the website? And uh, evidently that spurred them to action. So he's finally on the website. Um, Matt Patricia, senior defensive assistant. He is not the linebackers coach, which people were, you know, focused because that was the original report way back when, that is DJ Elliott, the linebackers coach. But getting back to the offensive guards, Bob, um, I'm with you. Nick Sirianni is typically very uh, cognizant of, of what he says. And the fact that he keeps saying that it's not Cam's job, that indicates to me they don't want it to be Cam's job. Am I taking that too far, or is it just a matter of they want him to earn the job? Which yeah, one I, is I don't, it? I don't think they think he fits there. I, I, you know, I believe I don't. And uh, and again, like I, what I was talking about, you can have him and Kelsey right next to each other. I mean, wow, that that's an a gap uncovered. You know, it's like uh, they're both three hundred pounds, right? They're they're both well, around. Kelsey isn't three hundred. Cam's yeah. about uh, two ninety five. I mean, man, yeah. that that's a bad deal, man. I mean, especially uh, to a quarterback who, I mean, the the one way to rush Jalen Hurts is to give him pressure up the a gaps up the middle. You look at the teams that have had success; they push him out of the pocket right away, and uh, and then he he ends up going. I mean, whatever his favorite side is, sometimes you know it, it seems like it all it it. Uh, depends on what the game is you know whether he goes right or left so but i i don't see that happening yeah i i think they're gonna have a big guy in there and um you know hey at the end of uh near the end of training camp there'll be a million guys you know and, and probably veterans you know with a maybe a year left on their contract or something they'll they'll be able to find something and and let's be honest about the eagles too um it should have been clear last year. I mean, veterans near the end of their uh, their careers, you know, they'll they'll play for you know a little over the veteran minimum to be on this team because they got a shot at winning it all. And uh, yeah, the Eagles, they they got the Eagles are the are a preferred destination, and uh, and that's because of largely because of Jalen Hurts. 
That's true. Give and them a chance. They, they'd go to the Super Bowl last year, which adds to the draw. And oh, by the way, if you're talking offensive line, he's Stoutland at his university waves his magic wand and everything works. And a lot of people believe that. We'll see if that's the case at right guard this year. I think he's going to have to do a little bit more work than he usually does. Uh, but both of you referenced uh, either Matt Patricia and or the linebacker coach position. So I do want to go there. And he's no longer here. So, yeah, we're kind of uh, kicking him when he's out of town. I, if I did this once last year, Bob Groats, I did it, and John can confirm it on a Monday after a game at least three times, if not four or five. The linebacker coach, John and I started today's show talking about positional coaches rotating guys in and making decision to get guys on the field. Do we have right to be mad at Nick Rallis, who decided to go Jonathan Gannon's route out there in Arizona's his D.C., for not getting N'Kobe Dean more snaps last year? I, I hope N'Kobe yeah. hit the ground running and looks like a star this year. But there were games where the Eagles were up by two touchdowns in the second half. You couldn't get N'Kobe Dean in there to get some snaps for Kaiser White? Yeah, he could. What was Nick Rallis thinking last year? You're right. He could he could have done something like that, but those other guys played fairly well, and um, and and it's more about the pass rush. So, I I'm I'm okay with that, and um, you know, and Rallis, um, I don't know, John. Do you think he even got any consideration for a defensive coordinator job here? No, but he got yeah. an interview. But no, I don't think he was seriously in consideration. No. Yeah, because you know what? I I've heard him. I've listened to him before. He's a real sharp guy, you know? And he is, yeah. Be, yeah, I mean, he, and you know, Gannon's sharp. This guy is really sharp. And um, that's going to be interesting. I mean, they don't have any players there in Arizona. And um, by the time the Eagles play him, you know, it, it, their season's going to be over, right? <laughs> oh, is yeah. It, the that's like week 17, yeah. I mean, they don't get the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback will be back, but uh, yeah, their season will be over. So yeah, they'll be in the top five of the draft. They'll want to lose that game. Not that they'll have to want to lose that game, but they'll want to lose it, uh, even if they are better than expected. Uh, they're they're bad, and it's going to oh, take and, a while. And, and you know that schedule, guys. The the part of that schedule right after the bye, that's going to be that is going to be a real challenge just to to cover in that spot because they play. I think four of the five teams, they're all all five. The next five opponents are all playoff teams. Yeah. And uh, it's including, a tough, uh, tough stretch, including Kansas City. But they all have quarterbacks except for for San Francisco. So uh, that that'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Game split, road and away. So uh, five straight guy. What is it? Kansas City, Buffalo, Kansas City San on the road. Francisco. Buffalo here. Yeah. San Buffalo, here. San Francisco, uh, Dallas and then Seattle. Seattle at Dallas at Seattle yeah yeah that's that's a tough stretch well I'm I guess I'm I'm uh, pushing a little bit to call call, uh, Geno Smith you know a a quarterback he had a great year last year he really did really and and, oh by the way assuming Brock Purdy's back by that point San Francisco have a quarterback too now you just just took a shot at a backhanded shot at Jody's guy man be careful yeah be careful on the road. I, Jody, I got to tell you, man, They the Eagles knew they were going to win that game. I know it, it looked worse <laughs> without any oh, quarterback. Oh, it, it wouldn't have been that bad. I'm level. not going to go, you know. Jody, everybody everybody yeah. in that locker room knew they were going to beat this guy. <laughs> they Every yeah. every player, okay. every Eagles player, yeah. 
he yeah. was undefeated at the time. I know, yeah. I, but but they knew it. They they couldn't wait to get out there. Yeah, but they, they and um and you know Purdy he did a great job, but uh, you could tell. I mean the Celt or the Celtics, <laughs> the Cowboys <laughs> really the Cowboys really blew it, man. They had a shot to to uh, knock them out, and um, I don't know. They they came up and scored what twelve points or something like that. So. Now yeah, you and that's up. why that's why any of the 49er fans were saying we would have won the game. Your defense was so great the week before shutting down the Cowboys. Yeah, the Eagles went up and down the field against you and scored 31 points and basically took their foot off the gas in the second half. So that's why I don't buy the San Francisco would have won. If Purdy played, it would have been closer, would have been competitive, would have been a more fun game to watch if you're just taking eagle oh, rooting no, no interest question. out of it. Yeah, no question. I think it would have been more competitive. I don't think it would have been competitive. I think they were going to route that team. I'm a, I'm with yeah. Bob. Yeah, they, uh, they I got do. I I got that feeling before I knew he was hurt. I thought he was coming back into the game, yeah. and I said once Reddick came around that corner, and he didn't have the feel in the pocket to realize what was coming at him. I said, oh, this is not going to go well. Um, and I thought he was coming back in the game at that point. I didn't know. I didn't and, know he was hurt. Because he was on the sideline trying to, you know, get loose and try to get back in the game. But, man, the Eagles are tough in the, in the yeah. playoffs at Lincoln Reddick, Financial Field. Reddick's pass rush was unbelievable, too. Yeah. So he, he was there. I mean, <laughs> the quarterback hadn't even gotten to his spot yet, and Reddick was there waiting at his spot, knowing where he, Purdy was going to be. And yeah, then he had a great, own, he had a mean, great he season. He was there before Purdy. It, it was the, the preparation was unbelievable, you know? So, and it, you know, it, it's a rookie quarterback. It, you gotta, uh, you know, I could have, maybe you can use a little bit of that look away magic, you know, that, um, that you see sometimes on, uh, in hardball. And, um, I keep going back to hardball because, uh, I still can't believe, <laughs> I know this is an Eagles podcast. I still can't believe what happened to the Sixers. Oh my. Oh you know, yeah. Well, Bob has been seven. doing some, uh, moonlighting, yeah. Uh, covering the Sixers, the game, my God! Yeah, the game oh. seven was just too much. Oh, my oh. Lord. oh, yeah. Now, who do you blame more, Bob? Uh, if I give you Embiid, James Harden, Doc Rivers, who else? Do we want to throw anything else? I in say there? who the gets super, the most blame? I, I mean, he's an MVP, but he's not a superstar. I mean, I've never seen anybody so passive in the fourth quarters of games. And Simmons, and, yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, yeah, but he wasn't a superstar. Yeah, he thought he was. Well, I, Eagles, uh, his Sixers fans thought so. Jody, for a long could you time. imagine? Could you imagine Larry Bird saying that they were? Oh I didn't my touch God. The ball. I didn't touch the ball. Or Magic, I didn't touch the ball. I still can't get over that. I mean, he, he was just spent. And um, MVP, regular season, such a such a difference between that and a superstar who uh, who wants the ball and and demand. Who goes and gets That's what you know. You bring up a guy, Larry Bird, who I hated because uh, uh, I was a Sixers fan growing up. Um, I hated Larry Bird, but I grew to respect him so much uh, when I got older and, and wasn't as emotional about it. Um, those are the guys I want Larry yeah. Bird, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Steph Curry, guys who want to rip your heart out at the biggest right. moment. They want it. Right. They they want it, and yeah, Sixers don't have that. You no, never hear them. Uh, yeah, but you how many guys hear... in the NBA really are of that? Oh no, I, I I just named four 
historically great players. That's I mean, a, that's a fair point, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, look at the look at the league today. Yeah, Step is probably well. Step, Step is and, probably the one LeBron guy. Can still do things at times, you know. But uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a valid point. Who, who's that? Who's that guy on the Denver Nuggets? They could win the NBA championship. Well, Murray's closer week. to it. Murray's closer to it than anything the 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 Sixers have. Every team has somebody. Butler's closer to it. Tatum's closer to it. Every team left has a player who's closer. They're not Bird, Matt, uh, right. uh, Michael, Jordan level, yeah. but they're closer. They're a lot closer to it than what the Sixers have. Is that was what, a how I would describe it. Golden era. Yeah, I, uh, John, I'm glad that you knew that Murray was going to be that kind of player because there weren't that many off the injury season. Well, I'm had. not saying I knew it, but I see him play and he's willing to take big shots. Uh, half of the battle is wanting to take that shot. I mean, to me, that shouldn't be. Now, finding somebody who's as good at it as Larry Bird, that's hard. Finding somebody to to want to take that shot, like say Jimmy Butler, shouldn't be as hard as it seems to be for the Sixers. Well, even in that final game, I think Embiid wanted to take the shot. He certainly said it after the game. I need to get the ball more. He just didn't make it. He didn't. He oh, didn't do I what didn't needed know. to be taken to to, yeah. to get the result you you needed. Yeah. But it wasn't like he was shying away or hiding in the corner. I don't know. Boy, no, he, I, I, no, he hesitated. The basket. He, he hesitated the basket. so much. I'm indecisive. Uh, I yeah, we're we didn't see the same thing. I mean, anytime Horford was there, he would hesitate. It's like, all right, go up and shoot the jumper. If you're not going to buy, uh, you know, nobody posts up anymore. Fine, show some decisiveness. Go up and take the jumper. You got the height, but no, he would hesitate and all of a sudden get himself in the trouble and then throw up a terrible shot. Yeah, he'd throw it up. But the indecisiveness, that's the problem. You gotta you gotta you, you gotta believe in yourself. And Harden Harden didn't do him any favors either. No, he Harden was terrible as well. Fifteen seconds to dribble the ball up the court yeah. and hold up his fingers for the play. Wow. And all, yeah, he was. He was. You know, terrible. and move guys around. You know, like uh, I'm tired of that. And again, from a reporting standpoint, <laughs> if he goes to Houston, I will eat a lot of crow. I think this is the biggest BS <laughs> report. And Woj went down that road again yesterday. I don't think Houston wants any part of him. I don't think they're going to pay him. I think the Sixers may end up with him back again, which I know a lot of people don't want to hear. I don't believe this James back to Houston to be the mentor to the good young Rocket team. It doesn't make any sense other than somebody no. planting a story for the purpose of what, what information we brokers. You got information you brokers the out there. Yeah. If James Harden goes back to Houston, Bob Gross will get you back on the show so you can go, Jody, you're an idiot. That day that you were on with us from the car, I, you said I, it had no chance of happening. Let me repeat myself. It has no chance of happening. Sometimes you just have to look at a situation and analyze and go, yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever to me. So I will uh, laugh in the face of the biggest information broker out there, Adrian Wojnarowski, and go, there's no way James Harden's going back to Houston. Well, I'm not going to pay him. He's, if he leaves, they're going to have to develop Kirkmon for Moss, you know, like 
Ah, you go back yeah. to Kirkwood. Oh man, I didn't see that. They're one gonna coming. have to talk about not seeing one coming. Kirkwood to the rescue. All right. Yeah. At Bob Groats, follow Bob on Twitter, DelcoTimes.com. All uh, right, one guys. Of the best in the business. Uh, did some work covering the Sixers. We got to close it on the Eagles, Bob. Um, yeah. Now, watching this uh, cluster of losers that you had to do throughout the playoffs, does it make it uh, more apparent what Jalen Hurts means to the Philadelphia Eagles in their culture to have a leader like that as opposed to guys? pointing fingers all over yeah. the place. Yeah, they're really – it goes without saying, but how fortunate they are. And uh, he, he really – oh, man. I, I, I'll never forget this Super Bowl or the last Super Bowl and because uh, really, to me, that that was his MVP appearance. So, yeah, they, the Eagles, they're – Jalen Hurts has made them, you know, uh, not just a, a great football team, but the preferred destination for – for other players and uh and he's his excitement or hit i mean his presence just gets it, it just amps up the excitement level the energy level and uh and you know you combine that with nick sirianni who, who's a very good coach and i i think underrated coach did a great job you combine it with him and um they'll have another great season it'll be interesting to see what happens with the coordinators i don't i don't have any questions about uh you know, Michael Johnson, the, the offensive guy, but, you know, the defensive guy, yeah, he, he's going to – he'll take some lumps learning on the job, but they got Patricia in there too. So that's going to be a transition. But, yeah, with uh, with Hurts, they, they got a shot to win 12 or 13 games again. All right. My last question is, and you and I were both seen drinking some coffee during today's uh, interview, if you were to add an adult beverage to your coffee in the morning for a major pick-me-up, what would it be? Olive oil. Olive oil with the coffee. All right. That's, that's like that's the new Starbucks drink. Like it's mayonnaise in, in your coffee with that cold silly pressed. quarterback who's going to Tennessee. <laughs> cold oh, yeah. Will Levis with the mayonnaise in his uh, coffee. Yeah, that's that's right there where I would put olive oil in my coffee yeah. right there cold next to the mayonnaise. Olive oil. That's the new drink. And it's good for Bob, you. Uh, true. Bob is a huge coffee it's guy. It's good so for he your knows. heart. Yeah, Jody, knows, it's good so. for your heart, that olive oil. No, I, I enjoy my coffee. I'm not going to be ruining it with either mayonnaise or olive oil. <laughs> Little Irish whiskey, yeah, I could I could do that. But olive oil, no, I'll be passing. I'm just going to dump it at the uh, Lincoln Financial Field press box. I'm going to try that olive oil. When the yeah, drink. I, see that. I forgot that what was... the only Oli, Oli, I forgot what the drink is, but it's something that you should definitely try. Yeah. No, that won't be All happening. Right. But we will be getting you on again, Mr. Groats. Thank you very much for jumping All right, in you today. Guys. Thanks, All right, Bob. Appreciate Stay it. Stay safe out there All on right. the roads. Yeah. Bundle up. You got your jacket. It's going to be 80. You don't need it anymore. Now, every once in a while, you hop in the car with Groats. Oh, yeah. Going down cool. to Washington or up to New York or whatever. Does he drive when you go or does he backseat it? Uh, he usually backseats it. If he's not he's not to drive. Kratz he usually uh, has been driving down. Sometimes Martin. I, I drive down typically when there's not people involved. I don't like people. 
<laughs> but but Groats is last choice to drive, right? Yeah, he's last choice. Yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. That's why you need to keep him. Maybe that's why he gets in the car and sits behind the steering wheel because he knows, other than that, he's not going to get to talk to John McMullen from behind the steering wheel because you're not going to let him drive because you're too smart to do that. All right, Jody McDonald, John McMullen coming back. We got to put a bow on the show. Stay right here. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes. And the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. This is Governor Ed Rendell urging you to vote for my friend, Judge Pat Dugan, for Superior Court. I appointed Judge Dugan in 2007 to the Philadelphia Municipal Court, where he now serves as its president judge. Pat is a proud Army veteran of 23 years. He served two tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. He's also recommended by the Philadelphia Bar Association. But most importantly, he bleeds eagles green and hates those Dallas Cowboys. So get out and vote for number three, Judge Pat Dugan for Superior Court. Paid for by Dugan 2023. Birds 365. <clears throat> One last stat to throw you away before we wrap this up, John. Uh, and I apologize again in advance if I'm rubbing salt in the wounds. What do you think the Eagles record has been under coach Nick Sirianni, his two years here in one o'clock games? Oh, oh, um, probably not good or you wouldn't be giving it to me. Um, uh, 
Now, early, they weren't good two and five. Most of those games were one o'clock games. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, In Nick Sirianni's two years here as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, the Eagles are 15 and four in one o'clock games. So it is good. Yeah, it's not good. It's outstanding. And I'm how many... surprised there's been that many, to be honest. Well, two years ago <laughs> when he was the new guy on the block and they were coming off yeah. a uh, six win Oh, they had a whole bunch of one o'clock games two years ago. Nick's first year. Last year, that got cut in half. Now it's cut in half again. How many one o'clock games you got this year, Johnny Mac? Three, I think. Three. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, the Eagles are outstanding at it. They're just not going to have a chance to add to that 15-win total in two years much over this next season because they're right now scheduled for only three of them. They could get one week. Uh, is it week 18? Yeah, because they play 17 games with a buy yeah. in there. That, yeah, that probably is will still be. Probably will be. Unless they're playing for something and they're the night game, uh, it'll be 1 o'clock. Uh, so you, you may get a fourth. In January, yeah. which you'll need. You don't want to be going down there at night in January because it's going to be cold enough to begin with. So I hope at least you get a fourth one o'clock game this upcoming year. All right. Uh, we're going to do this again tomorrow. Um, should be a good one. Who's joining? Uh, Neil Stratton. Uh, oh, that's right. Neil's going to join us tomorrow. Uh, inside the league.com. So we can talk. I'm interested to talk to Neil about sort of the scouting wholesale. That's the one area, I always say, one area of the industry that's kind of murky. Uh, You know, you don't get to see behind the scenes that much. Neil um, really plugged in when it comes to that. And our old buddy Mike Gill will be on the show. Oh, that's right. Gill's on tomorrow. Tomorrow's a Wednesday. So shame on me for not knowing that. We got a good one planned. I'm back here tomorrow, McMullen. Are you? Uh, Yeah, planning on it. Let's see. Planning on you? You better be here. day to day. He does always cover himself with day-to-day. John McMullen, day-to-day John McMullen, and I'm promising you right now I'm going to be here. Jody McDonald will be back on Birds 365 in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.